All right. Well, welcome. Hope you're doing well. Um, this is a crazy time. Uh, it's a crazy time for us, and I'm sure it's for you trying to figure out how to homeschool uh, our kids. And uh, we went and got their stuff at school today and got their space set up for their school's uh, work and um, just navigating that still live in life and trying to be wise and stay out of public and not uh, be that person who catches something and passes it on to someone else. And um, <clears throat> This is a, an unprecedented season in the life of our uh, culture and our community. And uh, I thought the, uh, the book of Habakkuk would have some really helpful things to teach us as we are uh, navigating this season. Um, so uh, welcome to uh, this conversation. We're recording it as well via audio, and so um, we will uh, hopefully be putting this on the podcast also, because I know there's a lot of folks working from home, but of course not everyone's able to work from home in this season. And uh, I know that's a, uh, it's both a blessing and a curse to be able to do that. Um, and, uh, and so if you're watching this live now, welcome. If you're watching this on replay or on the podcast, welcome. I want to start out with just a word of prayer and, uh, and then uh, we'll get started and we'll dive into this book that maybe you've studied before, maybe you haven't, but it's really powerful. It's got a lot of wonderful things. So Father, I just thank you for, um, the opportunity you've given us in this moment, in this season of crisis in our culture, crisis of, uh, a medical crisis and anxiety crisis, um, leadership crisis. There's, there's just so many things happening, Lord. And, and you've called us to step into this moment as people of faith, as people of living faith, uh, and point the way toward uh, the living God. And so I just pray as we look at what Habakkuk um, has to teach us, that your spirit would be our teacher and that you would use this season to turn the hearts of many back to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, um, what I want to do is uh, invite you to get something to write with and something to write on. If you're able to, maybe you're listening and, and you're not um, uh, able to, to do that. Um, but uh, um, I think you're going to be able to learn better and engage better if you do that and uh, try, to, try to keep things uh, um, uh, somewhat organized and... Uh, and um, uh, linear so you can follow what's happening. And what I want to do, first of all, is try to convince you why studying Habakkuk is worth your time. Um, why is studying Habakkuk worth your time? Simon Sinek is a, a business uh, leadership expert, and he has a really famous TED Talk called Start With Why. And uh, there's something about the why that resonates with our hearts. And uh, so I want to start with why. Why should you study Habakkuk? Why is Habakkuk worth um, studying? I think that the first reason you, want, you should want to study Habakkuk is that Habakkuk uh, shows us a way to faithfully approach God with our questions and our complaints, or what the Bible calls lament or complaint. Um, we're going to see Habakkuk approach God um, from a posture of brokenness and, um, and wonder, not wonder in the sense of awe, but wonder in the sense of of questioning why things are happening the way they're happening. And he's going to pour that out to God. And I think he, he provides a, a model for us in a season like we're in in our culture where 
there is a lot of uh, questioning. There's a lot of wondering why are things happening the way they're happening. Um, and, and Habakkuk points the way of how to do that in a way that is full of uh, faith and honesty and authenticity. Um, and along those lines, Habakkuk also teaches us to, um, to plead with God in prayer. Uh, I was talking with one of our folks from our church today and just um, saying how critical prayer is in a time like this. Um, that this is a time to turn our hearts back to God in prayer. And uh, Habakkuk is a... Is a it, the, the whole book of Habakkuk is basically a prayer. Uh, it's him approaching God and then God, then God responding to him. And then that's chapter one. He approaches God then then God responds. And then chapter two, he approaches God again and God responds. And then in chapter three, it's a psalm or a song or another prayer that Habakkuk prays. And so uh, Habakkuk teaches us how to plead with God in prayer. The third reason why I think you should want to study Habakkuk is that Habakkuk shows us how to wait expectantly when God is silent. Habakkuk shows us how to wait expectantly when God is silent. There's there's seasons of life where it so, seems like God isn't isn't speaking to us, and we read the Bible and it it just doesn't. It's it's alive. We know it's alive, but we don't feel that that connection with God through the Scripture. And we pray, and it doesn't seem like. It, it's getting through. It's like when we send a text message and it's got the little status bar at the top, at least on my phone, and it'll show like it hasn't, it hasn't sent all the way. Uh, sometimes it feels like that where we're, we're, we're trying to get through to God and, and it's not getting through. And Habakkuk shows, how to, to wait, shows us how to wait expectantly um, in those types of moments in, in uh, prayer when God seems silent. And then fourth, and really at the heart of Habakkuk, is, is how to live in faith in seasons of crisis how to live in faith in seasons of crisis when we can't see and when things might actually get worse how to live in faith in seasons of crisis when we can't see and when things might actually get worse so habakkuk shows us um how to how to approach god um in in a season of clouded vision when there's a good likelihood that things are going to get worse before they get better. Uh, and so I think for those four reasons, Habakkuk is worth your time. Um, and uh, the, uh, so, so faithfully approaching God with questions and complaints, how to plead with God in prayer, how to wait expectantly when God is silent, and how to live in faith in seasons of crisis when we can't see and when things might get worse before they get better. Um, and and in, so I think in order to really get a sense of where Habakkuk is coming from, it would be helpful to get a sense of where Habakkuk is in the biblical story. Um, maybe you've studied Habakkuk. It's, it's actually one of my favorite books of the Bible, but it's um, likely that you, you've not engaged it deeply. Um, and, uh, um, and if that's the case, to, to kind of orient yourself in, in where this book is in the biblical story, so the, the story of, of the Bible um, starts with the Lord creating the heavens and the earth um, in Genesis 1 and 2. And then, then humanity falls into sin and uh, the Lord expels Adam and Eve from the garden. And then God sends the flood when humanity has fallen into wickedness in Genesis 6 through 9. And, and then disperses humanity after the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. And then God calls this man Abram. Um, 
and promises to make him a great nation um, in Genesis 12, and that's the, the rest of the book of Genesis. Um, and, then, and then the Lord delivers his people from slavery. Um, hold on, it's saying I've got a low network, con low network connection. Okay, let's see. Low network connection. All right. Oh, and, and they're doing the lawn, the house behind us. So, um, so that's, uh, I guess maybe 1 p.m. isn't the best time for this, at least not on a Tuesday. Um, so let's, let's see here. Um, where were we? Uh, the Lord calls Abram and promises to make him a great nation. The Lord delivers his people from slavery in Egypt uh, through Moses. And uh, the Lord gives laws to the people through, in Leviticus. Uh, the Lord disciplines his people. You know what? I think I'm going to have to, going to have to move spots here. So, uh, just bear with me for a minute, if you would. We're going to hang in. This is, this is church planning 101. It's how to be flexible when, uh, you don't have an office and when they start doing the, the yard work in the, the house behind you. So, um, to go in so they're uh, they're starting the yard in the, the house behind us so we're we're moving inside here all right thanks for hanging with me guys uh, if you hung with me I don't know I can't see how many folks are still here um, all right welcome back if you're back so um, <laughs> interesting um, that's pretty funny um, so as uh, God uh, delivers his people from slavery in the Exodus, um, we, uh, we see that he leads them out of Egypt through Moses. That's in about 1446 B.C. Um, then uh, as, as he enters into covenant with his people uh, through Moses and the Ten Commandments, that um, he gives his people um, laws in the book of Leviticus, and he disciplines them as they've uh, complained in the wilderness wanderings in the book of Numbers, and he gives the instructions to the people in Deuteronomy, and then he gives his people the promised land of Canaan and Joshua, and then he appoints this series of judges or deliverers, the book of Judges, and that's about a 300-year period, and then finally we get to about 1050 B.C., and the first king of Israel is put on the throne, King Saul, and King Saul reigns for 40 years, but is uh, his his line is rejected because of his disobedience, and so God puts David on the throne, and David reigns for 40 years, and David has a son named Solomon, and Solomon reigns for 40 years, and Solomon's reign ends, and then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, takes the throne, and Rehoboam, in his wickedness, uh, um, betrays the the trust of the people of Israel and so they run them they they separate from him and there's there's a, a division between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom the 10 northern tribes and the two uh, southern tribes and what is called the the northern kingdom of Israel the southern kingdom of Judah and uh, the southern kingdom has a series of kings who are some who are righteous and some who are wicked, some who are godly, some who are ungodly. The northern kingdom has king after king after king who are uh, nothing but wicked, following after the ways of the wickedness of the first king of Israel after Solomon, Jeroboam. And so in 722 BC, um, the Lord judges the northern kingdom and he brings Assyria 
and this is found in 2 Kings 17, he brings Assyria to discipline them and to reject them uh, and to, to deport them from the land. The southern kingdom lasts longer. The Lord, um, he, uh, in his grace, preserves the southern kingdom for almost 150 years, 125 years longer than the northern kingdom. And there's some good kings and some bad kings, some godly kings, some ungodly kings. Right before the time of Habakkuk, there were two really important kings to know about. The first is the king uh, whose name was Manasseh. And he was a king uh, for 55 years in the nation of Judah. And um, it says in 2 Kings 21, 1 through 6, that Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had destroyed and reestablished the altars for Baal. It goes on and on. Uh, Manasseh was a king in Israel for 55 years who led the people into deep sin and deep rebellion and deep cultural and spiritual decay. Um, Manasseh, toward the end of his life, repents. We see that in Second Chronicles. But by that time, the damage had been done, and the Lord had promised and would bring judgment on the southern kingdom of Judah. And, and after Manasseh dies, his son Amon becomes king, and he's only king for two years, and then he's assassinated. The, 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 uh, the, the governmental um, structure of the nation is, uh, is just uh, in a really, really um, dark place after Manasseh. And so, so his son Amon is assassinated, and after Amon is assassinated, then uh, his son, who's only eight years old, Josiah, is made king in his place. This is found in Second Chronicles, excuse me, Second Kings twenty-three and twenty-four, and Second Chronicles thirty-four and thirty-five. In Second Chronicles thirty-four, verse three, it says, "In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, Josiah began to seek the Lord, the God of his ancestor David." So he was eight years old when he became king. In the eighth year of his reign, so he's sixteen, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the Lord, the God of his father David. And then in his 12th year of his reign, so he was 20 years old, he began to cleanse Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. Then another six years later, it says that he sends a team in to repair and rebuild and restore the temple. So Josiah is a king who doesn't walk in the ways of his immediate forefathers, but walks in the way of his great forefather, his ancestor, David and seeks the Lord with all his heart, all his mind, and all his soul. And his story, like I said, is in 2 Kings 23 and 24 and 2 Chronicles 34 and 35. Um, Josiah, in, in the time of Josiah, there was a, an incredible renewal of spiritual vitality. There was a return to the Lord with from the king and on down, leadership matters. And the, so the people and the, the the king and on down to the people return to the Lord. They re, they get rid of all of the high places, all of the idolatrous practices, and they seek the Lord. And there's this in, immense spiritual and cultural renewal that happens under King Josiah. King Josiah becomes king when he's eight, and then he dies when he's 39, which is how old I am, um, in battle. Um, and uh, and so he reigns for 31 years in the nation of Judah. And it says here uh, in 2 Kings 23, um, uh, 
excuse me, I said uh, 2 Kings 23 and 24. It's actually 22 and 23. It says that before Josiah, this is 2 Kings 23, 25, uh, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, and according to all the law of Moses. And no one like him arose after him. So he's, he is the best king that Israel or Judah has ever had. Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is reminiscent of Deuteronomy 6, that the command of the Lord, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So he's, he's a man who embodies what it means to be a person of God, a part of the people of God, a, a, a follower of God. No one before him and no one like him. But look what it says in Second uh, Kings twenty three twenty six. In spite of all of that, the Lord did not turn from the fury of his intense burning anger. Intense burning anger, which burned against Judah because of all the affronts with which Manasseh had angered him. For the Lord had said, I will also remove Judah from my presence, just as I have removed Israel. I will reject this city, Jerusalem, that I have chosen and the temple about which I said my name will be there. So in other words, Josiah had sparked this incredible revival and renewal in the life of the people of God, but it wasn't sufficient. God's purposes of judgment and discipline upon his people were going to happen. So in 609 BC, um, 120, uh, do some quick math, 113 years after the northern kingdom falls, King Josiah dies. So God, in, because of King Josiah's repentance and his, his seeking of the Lord with all his heart, that God tells Josiah that, that he's not going to bring judgment in his days. But as soon as King Josiah dies, things go downhill rapidly. And Hezekiah, or excuse me, uh, Habakkuk is most likely called to witness this cultural and spiritual uh, downslide um, right around the time of the end of the reign of King Josiah. Um, so, so you have to just put yourself in, in the shoes of, of what a, 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 someone like a Habakkuk is experiencing. Um, after all that had gone wrong, we finally get a good leader, finally get a good king, finally get someone who really wants to follow the Lord, finally get someone who, whose priorities are in the right place and who leads in the ways of righteousness and get, returns to the law of God and returns to the word of God. And, and then he dies unexpectedly, relatively young, his late 30s, after 30 years of stable, godly leadership. Um, now we're in a period of transition. And uh, King Josiah's son um, becomes king in his place. First son becomes king. He's only there three months. Uh, and then after this, uh, his, his next son becomes king, and he's king for 11 years. And so during the season of King Josiah's son, King Jehoiakim, is, is most likely when Habakkuk is prophesying and ministering. So he's in a season of deep cultural and spiritual upheaval, um, which I think is obviously really applicable to where we are in a general sense, but also very specifically right now. We're in a, we're in a season of deep cultural um, instability and just, just 
um, just unprecedented. This this idea, this um, the lockdowns and staying at home for the for you know to stop the spread of the virus and the, what's going to happen in the economy. There's there's all of this upheaval that's happening, and so there's a lot of parallel there. And what Habakkuk does is he shows up at just this moment and he speaks to the Lord on behalf of the people and he pours out his heart in dialogue with the Lord. So um, I think that going back to the why, why should you want to study Habakkuk? Why should it be worth your time? The first, uh, and not the first, but the primary reason I think is he shows us a pattern of living faith in a season of crisis. Um, and so I think in, in this specific moment in our culture, in our life, in, you know, our world in this, in this time, that he provides a way to live with faith in the midst of a culture of fear and crisis and, and decay. Um, we don't actually know a lot about Habakkuk. So I talked about why we should study Habakkuk. Uh, now let's just talk a little bit about who who was who was who Habakkuk was. Who was Habakkuk? Well, we don't we don't really know uh, much about Habakkuk. Um, really, the the information we have comes from the the small prophetic book of Habakkuk, which is um, in my Bible is uh, is three pages, um, three chapters, and um, and that's all we have. And in verse in in verse one, we see. Um, pretty much what we know about Habakkuk. We have a general idea of the timeline, like I said, most likely at the end or just after the end of the reign of King Josiah in this time of upheaval. Um, King Josiah dies in 609 BC. By 605, we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Babylonian leader, the Babylonian emperor, eventually the general who becomes an emperor, um, come into Jerusalem and besiege it and begin a series of three deportations. There were three uh, deportations. There was the deportation of 605 BC when um, uh, Daniel was deported, the the deportation of 597 BC when uh, most likely uh, Ezekiel was deported, and then the final deportation and the fall of Jerusalem in 586. So we're talking about a 20 to 25 year period of massive chaos for the people of God. And at the very start of this season, God calls Habakkuk in to speak and to minister and to provide a a pattern for how to approach God in seasons like this. Look at Habakkuk 1.1, if you you have your Bibles. Um, The pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw. The pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw, and we don't know much about Habakkuk, but let's just look at um, at three things. The the first um, is is that um, he was a prophet. What what is a prophet? Well, the, the Hebrew word here is navi, um, and and the, the 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 word there is the the idea of an authorized spokesman. Um, someone who speaks on behalf of a of a, a leader or a um, uh, an authority to someone else, and, and specifically somebody here who speaks on the p- behalf of Yahweh to the people um, or to the nations or whoever they're called uh, to minister to. So he's a Habakkuk is an authorized spokesman of Yahweh to speak. Now, what's really interesting about Habakkuk is most of the prophets are speaking to the people on God's behalf, are speaking to the people on behalf of Yahweh. 
they're a spokesman for Yahweh to the people. But what's interesting about Habakkuk is he actually is someone who is speaking to Yahweh on behalf of the people. That that his his prophet prophecy isn't oh Israel you know or 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 Judah or, or to the nations. He's not prophesying to the people. He's interceding for the people with the Lord. So he's he's a unique prophet in that sense. He's an authorized spokesman of the Lord, and he writes this this. Um, account of his conversation and his dialogue with the Lord, but he, he's a prophet in a unique sense because he doesn't speak so much to the people for God, but he speaks to God for the people. He speaks to Yahweh on the behalf of the people, and he, he enters in between the people and Yahweh and says, Lord, why? What's happening? We can't. What's going on? Uh, and I think that makes Habakkuk really unique among all of the prophets, and uh, and like I said, uh, a helpful model for us in a season like this. Um, the, the next thing to, to notice there, um, well, first, um, uh, in terms of him being a prophet, there there are prophets all throughout the Bible. There are um, prophets who were in uh, the 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 times of the monarchy and the, the kingdom. Moses was considered a prophet. Um, uh, even Abraham is considered a prophet. Um, and then you got the great prophets of, of Israel, like Elijah and Elisha. Um, Samuel is considered a prophet. But then we get to the section of the Bible that we often call um, the prophets. It's a huge, huge section of our of our Old Testament. It's like like just a huge chunk of the Old Testament. And this these books, these prophetic books, were written by what are called the writing prophets. The writing prophets. The writing prophets were called the writing prophets because they wrote down their prophecies. So that so someone uh, just because a, a prophet um, uh, doesn't write something down doesn't mean he's not a prophet. Doesn't it just means that it's not a he's not a writing prophet. And so there's two types of writing prophets: prophets who wrote things down. And sometimes these are called the major prophets and the minor prophets. And the reason they're called that is simply because the, of the, the length of the volume of literature that they left behind. And so like in Isaiah, and Isaiah has 66 chapters, a massive, massive volume of literature that Isaiah has left to us. And so he's called a major prophet, Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Jeremiah. These, would, these are major prophets. Um, but there are also uh, more than a dozen minor prophets, and they're called minor prophets not um, because they were um, uh, small or, or less significant, but their, their body of literature was uh, shorter. And so like Habakkuk is three chapters, or uh, Zephaniah is uh, three chapters, or Haggai is two chapters. And, and so, so the minor prophets are called minor prophets because they wrote shorter uh, volumes of literature left behind a shorter record of their prophetic uh, ministry. And uh, in, in the Hebrew Old Testament, actually, uh, the minor prophets are collected into a single book that's often called the Book of the Twelve. There's these 12 uh, minor prophets. And so that's where Habakkuk is in the scope of the, the, the canon of, of Scripture in the Old Testament. So we talked about where he is historically, kind of where he is canonically in the scope of Scripture, and we see that this pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw. Uh, and this is this is a really key point. This is a really key point. Prophets often 
um, especially earlier in the Old Testament, were called seers. Seers, S-E-E-R-S. Those who could see, those who were given the ability to see. Um, and, and this is a, a common way prophetic literature is introduced in the, in the Old Testament. Like, for example, I'll just read you a few. Um, Isaiah 2.1, the vision that I, Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Amos 1.1, the words of Amos, who was one of the sheep breeders from Tekoa, what he saw regarding Israel in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Micah 1.1, the word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morishite and what he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem and the jays of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Hezekiah. So, so we talked about the idea that a prophet is an authorized representative, but a, a prophet is also someone who has divine clarity in times of clouded vision. A prophet is someone who has divine clarity in times of clouded vision. This is someone who is given the revelation of God for a specific group of people at a specific time in the life of the people of God. In the case of Habakkuk, that revelation came through his interaction directly with Yahweh as he stands before the Lord in prayer. Habakkuk 1-2, How long, O Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen, or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. And then the Lord responds, look at the nations and observe and be utterly astounded. And we'll talk about those passages uh, as we go along in the study. And so for Habakkuk, he is one who is given divine clarity, a vision of divine truth that he is going to then pass along to the people. And so in Habakkuk's case, it comes through engaging God in deep prayer, prayer of lament, prayer of, of, of questioning and asking God and intercession. And God gives him this vision and this clarity, this pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw, Habakkuk 1.1, on behalf of the people. Um, and so I think, I think all of those are um, some reasons why Habakkuk is worth spending some time studying. And so this is a weird, it's a weird season um, for our church um, just with the the regulations last you know yesterday afternoon the president said groups of more than 10 shouldn't meet and uh, and um, you know so that 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 throws things off I know a lot of churches are dealing with this in a uh, and, and wrestling with how to deal with this and so uh, I thought this might be a helpful way to engage the scripture together um, whether you're watching this live whether you're watching the replay or you're listening to the uh, the podcast uh, audio. I hope you'll join us. And so I'm thinking, uh, got to figure out timing-wise, and maybe you can leave a comment here about uh, best times to do this. But um, I'm thinking sometime uh, early to mid-afternoon, um, when uh, quite honestly, it's part of part of it is when, it's when Livy takes her nap. Um, I was going to try to do it outside, but uh, as you, if you were here 
a little bit ago, you know, they started mowing the lawn behind me, so here we are. So um, obviously we'll be flexible with it. Um, but I hope you'll continue to join us to study the book of Habakkuk for the reasons that I mentioned at the beginning. And I just want to reiterate those once again. Habakkuk will show us how to faithfully approach God with our questions and our laments, our questions and our complaints. Secondly, Habakkuk shows us how to plead with God in prayer how to, how to, and how to intercede on behalf of the people, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of the church, on behalf of the people we care about. Number three, Habakkuk shows how to wait expectantly when God is silent or when God seems silent. And then number four, and really the heart of this, this the, stu- the study, living faith in a season of crisis. Habakkuk shows us how to live in faith in these seasons of crisis when we can't see and when things might get worse before they get better. Because our hope is ultimately not in the fact that the situation will improve, but that God is true. Um, Our hope is ultimately in the promises and the purposes and the person of God, who we know from the gospel of Jesus Christ is the triune God, the Father who sent the Son to live a sinless life, to die a sinner's death, to be buried, raised from the dead, so that anyone who would turn from their sin and trust in him will be forgiven their sin and given eternal life. And because we are his children adopted by union with Christ, he has poured the spirit of Christ into our hearts. And so that's our hope and that's our encouragement. And we're going to walk with this faithful saint from 25, 2600 years ago named Habakkuk. And so I hope you'll uh, you'll hang in and you'll join um, at this point, I'm planning to try to do daily at about this time. Um, we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. Um, uh, I, think, I think we might be able to do this in about nine or ten lessons and really get into the, the, the details and the, the, the really the gold mine that Habakkuk is. So what I would encourage you to do, um, some next steps. One, uh, some of you probably already did, but I would encourage you to read Habakkuk and then read it Maybe read it through. Maybe read it every day or, or you know, read a section of it every day as, as you go through this. Um, you can also read um, some of the, the historical context, like I said, 2 Kings 22, 23, 24, uh, 2 Chronicles 34, 35, some of the historical context surrounding it. And I want to just leave you with uh, two of the most powerful verses in the book of Habakkuk that we'll get to uh, in the lessons and the studies ahead, but... but um, two very, very powerful verses. The first is the very last section of the book. And this is just a beautiful, uh, beautiful ending to, to the book. He says, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no fruit in the vine." Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, though we're stuck at home and the virus spreads. Oh, wait, I added that. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of the deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. For the choir director on stringed instruments. This is Habakkuk singing his praise at the end of this dialogue that he has with the Lord. So that's one really, really powerful and beautiful passage in the book. And then the last one, the second one I want to leave with you is this. 
one of the most important verses, and I don't say that lightly, in the entire Bible. When Paul the Apostle goes to defend the doctrine of justification by faith from the Old Testament, he goes to a number of places. He goes to the story of Abraham, but then he also goes where probably none of us would think to go. He goes to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, and he says that there the Lord, I'll start in verse 2, the Lord answered me in a vision, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets, so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Look, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity, but the righteous will live by his faith. And the apostle Paul saw that, and he saw that the righteousness of God, that our perfection before God can only be grasped in Christ by faith. And where he goes in part to defend that from the Bible and from the Old Testament is Habakkuk 2.4. And that's why we're calling this uh, series of studies Living Faith in a Season of Crisis. So I hope uh, this is encouraging to you. This is just the opening uh, salvo, the introduction. And so we'll get into the meat of uh, Habakkuk next time, I thinking tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if that uh, time, if, if like everyone says that's a terrible time, then we'll maybe look at a different time. But um, that's kind of what I'm thinking for now. Uh, and we'll start tomorrow uh, with Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4. So uh, continue to read Habakkuk and pray through it and uh, ask God to speak to you uh, as, we, as we study it together. Uh, if you came in late, the replay should be live in just a little bit, and then the audio hopefully um, will be uh, on the podcast, the, the regular Cross United podcast stream on iTunes and on the website. So um, let me pray and uh, we'll finish up. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit who inspired this word, who spoke to and through the prophet Habakkuk. And I just pray that the message of Habakkuk and the, the um, uh, pattern and the, the example of, of Habakkuk would, would really encourage us and shape us in the, the season ahead. We don't know how long it's going to be, this, this weird and somewhat scary, extremely inconvenient um, cloudy season of the coronavirus and COVID-19 and all that's happening, Lord. Um, we pray that, that we would be people of faith, living faith in, in this culture of fear and uh, danger. And Lord, that you would uh, help us to be wise, to be, um, uh, to be courageous and to, to love our neighbors well and to represent you well. And that you would just help us um, as we are your people in this moment. I pray for Cross United Church that you would help us as we are uh, in this this season where, as many churches are, where we're not seeing each other like we normally would. Um, that you would just knit our hearts together in the spirit and help us to remember one another and um, ways to connect with one another. This just being one of them. And I thank you and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.